This podcast is sponsored by FAT, F-A-T-T, a range of keto on-the-go snacks, including cookies, brownies, chocolate bites, bars, fat jacks, and muffins. Fat snacks are delicious, natural, and always free from sweeteners, fillers, and seed oils. Find fat snacks at www.livefat.com. That's L-I-V-E-F-A-T-T dot com. Use the code FABULOUSLY10, that's one zero, to give an extra 10% off one-time purchases. Not valid on subscribe and save. Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 162 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And today I'm interviewing Dr. Brett Sher. Brett has been on my list of people to invite for a long time, but it's taken me a while to get round to inviting him. And thanks to Graham Phillips, who actually gave me his email address that made it really easy to reach out. And thanks to Dr. Brett for getting back to me so quickly and booking in. So let me tell you about Dr. Brett. Dr. Brett Sher is a board certified cardiologist, lipidologist and leading expert in metabolic and ketogenic therapies. He is the director of Metabolic Mind, a non-profit initiative of Bazooki Group. Dr. Sher was the medical director at dietdoctor.com before becoming the director of Metabolic Mind. He also runs a preventative cardiology telemedicine practice at lowcarbcardiologist.com. Brett has spent most of his 20-year career as a preventative cardiologist, helping people improve their metabolic health and prevent heart disease using low-carb nutrition and lifestyle interventions. Now Dr. Sher creates educational videos and podcasts regarding the connection between metabolic and mental health and how metabolic and ketogenic therapies can play a key role in mental health treatment. He believes we can revolutionise the mental health field through a greater understanding of metabolic therapies and therapeutic ketogenic interventions. You can find his content on the Metabolic Mind YouTube page and podcast. So let's go and hear from Dr. Brett Sher. Welcome, Brett, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Uh, thank you, Jackie. It's wonderful to be here. I, I'm no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with where in the world are you? <laughs> oh, where in the world am I? Oh, yeah. I'm in San Diego, California. <laughs> yeah. Ah, lovely. Lovely here. Yes. Yeah. We're just heading into our winter, so it's not 
It's not so lovely here at the moment. I'm really glad that you're with me today because I get lots of questions around LDL and people being scared of LDL being too high and all things like that. So it's going to be great to tap into what your thoughts around that. But why don't we start with how you came to low carb? How did you find it? You know, what was going on that led you down this path? Yeah, I mean, I guess the the short answer is I was a cardiologist focused on prevention, but just really dissatisfied with the impact I was having on my patients. And yeah, I was trained in an Ornish style program and, you know, very low fat vegetarian based diet approach, but also exercise and stress management and smoking sensation and lots of other things that are really beneficial. But um people weren't sticking with the diet and, you know, and I, I've said this before, you can only write in the chart so many times patient could not adhere to dietary recommendations, you know, lifestyle interventions, not having the effect they want. And then out comes the prescription pad. Right. And it's all about medications at that point because lifestyle doesn't work. And then I eventually just got so frustrated. as like, well, maybe we're just giving the wrong message. <laughs> maybe it's not a lifestyle. Maybe it's the message. And so I opened a, uh, like a boutique wellness center with a friend of mine who was a health coach. And fortunately, he was actually really knowledgeable about ketosis and ketogenic diets. And so on a couple of our kind of more challenging patients, he kind of suggested we start a ketogenic diet on them. And, and once we did, and then after I started like looking into it, because I wasn't taught anything about it, right? I didn't know anything about it from med school or cardiology fellowship and residency and all that. So once I started looking into it, and I realized there was a research basis behind it. And I saw the improvement in the patients. I tried it on myself and I realized there's something here. So that, you know, and as many people have said, once you see it, you can't unsee it because I didn't see anything like that with any other intervention I had tried. Yeah. And it was like, this is amazing. And then I became, it was a mix of being amazed and being incredibly frustrated. Like, how has nobody been taught this? Why is nobody in the medical world talking about this? And I say nobody, obviously people were starting to, but um, it was very small. So I said, I need to start shouting this from the rooftop. So, so doctors like me can understand that this is a tool. It doesn't mean everybody needs to be on a ketogenic diet, but it is a very impactful tool that should be used and least considered by every physician to help their patients. So that's what got me started. And through that, um, you know, I, I started my boundless health um, podcast and my medical practice. And then I became the medical director at dietdoctor.com. Um, and now actually I've used that knowledge of metabolic health and ketogenic therapies to transition to the director of metabolic mind, where we're focusing on ketosis for improving mental illness and uh, improving mental health. So all about ketogenic therapies for metabolic health, and now the connection also to mental health. So it's been an exciting journey and it's just been, I've been so thankful to be able to, you know, help so many people along the way. Yeah. So are you the person that's um, running? Because I know you were doing the pot, you did, you had your own podcast and then you were doing the podcast for Diet Doctor. So are you doing the Metabolic Mind podcast as well? I am. I am. So now <laughs> we have a YouTube channel that that's quickly growing. Um, we've only been around for like six months now on YouTube channel and, you know, over 20,000 subscribers already with, you know, our, our videos getting some good impact and good feedback. So we're doing the, the, um, YouTube videos and then the podcast as well. And then we have a blog starting on our website. So really just trying to get information out there in as many different venues as we can, so we can reach people. And, you know, there was just a conference in, in Coronado just a couple of days ago on, um, ketogenic therapeutics and, 
Um, it was mostly for scientists, you know, researchers and clinicians, but there were five individuals there with lived experience of using ketosis to treat their bipolar disorder. And it was so empowering to see them um, and to have them share their stories and realize this is why we're doing this, right? The impact lives, like their lives were were dramatically improved. Yeah. And, and and you've probably seen it with interviewing lots of people and I've definitely seen it. So many people have improved their lives and have a better quality of life than they had before. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the goal. Yeah. I wish more doctors and clinicians and healthcare providers saw it that way. Yeah. So can we touch a little bit before we go into maybe the mental health aspects, can we touch a little bit on heart disease and yeah. Yeah. And it's so related, right? Because the, the one big thing that, that limits a lot of doctors from even considering ketosis is, oh, no, I can't recommend that because I'm going to give them a heart attack. It's like just an assumption that it's guaranteed to happen. So absolutely such an important topic because it's simply not true. Yeah. <laughs> I can go on for more, but if you have specific questions, I, I could go on for, for days about this topic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the thing is that a lot of people get scared around changing their diet because they have they have had a heart attack or they mm -hmm. have had some heart issues. So what yeah. would you say to those people? You know, I, I'd say that unfortunately the dietary recommendations to eat low fat are based on incredibly weak science, incredibly weak data and are not consistent. And it's just so hard for the medical and nutritional world to change their tune when they've been saying something for decades and decades. So um, there actually is no convincing evidence that uh, a high fat diet, especially when it's a low carb, high fat diet is harmful to your cardiovascular health. There's just no evidence for that. So it really is um, saying, look, there's population data that says for people who are not eating low carb, we're eating high carb, high fat, high processed foods, who are overweight, overeating calories, that that's unhealthy. Yeah. Okay. No kidding. Right. No kidding. That's unhealthy, but it gets blamed on the fat and the saturated fat. Well, that is a completely different scenario than someone eating low carb whole foods and higher fat than what is recommended. That is a completely different scenario, especially if you're talking about ketosis, because now you are in this metabolic state where you're actually burning fat for fuel. So you're not just eating the fat and storing it and letting it get oxidized and letting it sit there. You're burning the majority of the fat you're eating and your fat stores, which is completely different from any of that evidence in that high carb, high fat combined diet. So to say one translates to the other is just a complete misuse of science and usually just used to, to further someone's own biases, I think. So, so really it's, it's, Look, you are an N of one. You have to see what happens for you. And you cannot go by the data that's out there because it doesn't apply to you at all. It has nothing to do with your physiologic state. Yeah, that's what I, you know, for me personally, that's what I think is when they've done the research, it's not on people that are eating like I am. And that's, yeah. that's what I take yeah. to be different. Right. And the, the, the research that has been done on people eating like you are shows that for the majority of the people, there's a net cardiovascular risk benefit that the calculated cardiovascular risk goes down because blood sugar goes down, blood pressure goes down, central obesity goes down, triglycerides go down, HDL goes up, and then LDL for the majority of people does not change. Or if it does change, it goes up a tiny bit 
with no change in ApoB, which is even a better marker. So it's all offset by all those other benefits. So neck, neck cardiovascular risk goes down. That's what happens for the majority of people. But most doctors would be shocked to hear that because that's not their assumption. But that's that's what the evidence shows. Yeah. And, and so I get a lot of people telling me, oh, my, my LDL is up, my total cholesterol is up. And they get scared because their doctors are really pressurizing them to take statins and bring their cholesterol down. And you, I think people have to be really comfortable that it's okay for it to be higher. Well, so, so like I said, the majority of the people LDL or ApoB does not go up, but there is a subset of people where it does go up. Now, in some people it'll go up a little bit and that's where it's really important to make sure you're checking ApoB and your LDL particle number, because often the total LDL can go up, but ApoB and LDL particle numbers don't go up. And those are the more important markers. Yeah. Um, so that's important. Now, for those who are the hyper responders, that's a completely different subset. Now, a rare subset, but the people who are lean and metabolically healthy, their LDL, LDL can skyrocket. And this has been published um, by Dave Feldman and Nick Norowitz and others ha- have published on this. And, and that is truly a very unique situation. Now, there are some signals in the literature that if you're metabolically healthy with you know high HDL, low triglycerides, normal blood pressure, that elevated LDL may not be as big of a risk. But here's where I think we have to be careful. We cannot say it is no risk, right? We cannot say there is no risk to an elevated LDL in that situation. But at the same time, I don't think it's right to assume it's the same risk as in the general population who is metabolically unhealthy and eating the high carb, high fat combined diet, right? So we have to, uh, I, I guess I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit in the middle and, I, and I'm a little wishy-washy on it, but for good reason, because we don't have good data to say it's safe. But I do think we have plenty of data to say, we need to evaluate these people individually and not just by the general practice guidelines because they don't fit into the general practice guidelines. Now, thankfully, Dave Feldman and, and Dr. Matt Budoff are conducting a study right now to look at these lean mass hyperresponders and see if they're developing plaque at a rapid rate, which is what we would expect if LDL was equally as dangerous in this population as in the general population. So you know, we sort of eagerly await those results. But in the meantime, I think it's really important to to put it into perspective and balance it out and see what benefits someone's getting from it, right? There was a there was a quote um, in some news article that said, um, oh, well, it's clear the risks outweigh the benefits of a keto diet. And that just like blew my mind when I read this. Like, how can any doctor say that? Because they have no idea what the benefits are for each individual doctor or for each individual patient. Sorry, they have no idea what the individual benefits are. So how can you comment on, on the benefit risk ratio. So, you know, now in, in my world at Metabolic Mind, we see people treat bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, um, anorexia, conditions that have been treatment resistant for years or decades going to remission with it, with ketogenic therapy. So who am I to judge that any risk is, is greater than the benefit that they're seeing, right? So it really has to be individualized. Yeah. And I guess if you if you've got a condition um or a diagnosis that's something quite severe then you probably want to be doing this with a with a professional holding your hand and guiding you 
Yeah, I, I think so. If you just want to try a ketogenic diet to feel better and then lose weight, and you don't have any medical conditions. Yeah, you can do that on your own. But if you're using it to treat a medical condition, then absolutely, I think you should be doing it in conjunction with a healthcare team, which could include, you know, not all doctors are on board with this, but what you should have is a health coach or a nutritionist or a dietitian who can help you and communicate with your doctor to make sure there's open communication, even better if you can find a doctor who's on board with it as well. Yeah, yeah, that's fabulous. What about people that may have not had any heart issues, but now they've gone ketogenic? I see it more when people are going more to the carnivore end of the scale, and now their LDL is quite high. Mm -hmm. What should they be then taking further tests to to eliminate or have more of an idea what else is going on? Like you said, the the particle numbers and the APOE, A, APOB, yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of more testing than just the basic testing for sure. Now, if you just get the basic lipid panel, you know the more most important thing are triglycerides and HDL and using that in combination with the LDL. But if you can get an ApoB, even better. So every LDL particle has an ApoB on it. It's a little protein. It's got an ApoB on it. But so do the VLDLs and the IDLs, which are called remnant um, particles. So ApoB encompasses all of that. Um, and ApoB is a better predictive marker of cardiovascular risk than LDL. So, so I really like ApoB. I also like LDL particle number and the number of small particles, because we know small particles have a higher risk than, than larger particles. And again, we can't say larger particles have no risk, right? I think some people go too far and say that, but we can say that it appears smaller particles have a higher risk than the larger particles. So I like those markers. Um, I also like to get inflammatory markers, high sensitivity CRP, because we know chronic inflammation leads to increased cardiovascular risk um, and markers of metabolic health. So obviously blood pressure, very important, central adiposity, visceral fat, very important. Um, but uh, fasting insulin levels, a HOMA IR using the fasting insulin and fasting glucose. Um, and I like CGMs as well because in people eating um, keto and intermittent fasting, fasting glucose can be falsely, not falsely elevated, can be elevated, but not for pathologic reasons. So for in those people, I think CGMs um, can be really helpful to, to, to decipher that. So yeah, there's definitely more testing that can be done. And the other thing is we don't have to guess. We don't have to use these markers and guess if you have heart disease. We can look, we can do calcium scores. They're really easy to do now. Um, and they can be really helpful. Or we can do carotid intima media thickness testing, ultrasounds of the carotid. Um, we can even do coronary CT angiograms, which are you know more expensive and more involved and higher radiation dose, but still really reasonable if used appropriately. So we don't have to guess. We can use the markers and try and optimize the markers, but we should also be looking at the, the vascular system itself. Yeah. And I often forget about that because I, I have had my CAC score done about four years ago. Um, and it's probably time to do it in the next couple of years, do it again. Um, but I, 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 I get sometimes get so caught up in, or I think it's because people are caught up in the whole cholesterol topic that I forget that to say, well, you could go and have this test done. Yeah, absolutely. There's always, there's always that option, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, just because it's zero now doesn't mean it's going to stay zero forever. If it's 
tau doesn't mean it's going to stay in forever, but it's just you can monitor and, and flow and, and see, okay, you know, it, say someone has a high LDL um, after being on ketogenic therapy, but they're using it to treat some condition and the benefit is so great. And they just want to know, is this safe for me to have a high LDL in with good metabolic health and all other parameters good? You know, you can use a test like a calcium score, follow it over time. And if it's progressing, then you reevaluate. If it's staying zero, be like, okay, I don't see any evidence yet. Let's keep watching, right? You don't just turn, close your eyes and forget it, but you, it's something that you can keep monitoring to monitor for ongoing safety. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Metabolic Mind and the work that you're doing there. Um, who's yeah. on the team with you? Well, so Jan Bazuki is a president of Bazuki Group who in Metabolic Mind is um, a nonprofit initiative of Bazuki Group. So Jan and her husband, Dave, who's the founder of Roblox, um, their son, Matt, has bipolar disorder. And he had just years and years of very difficult treatment in and out of treatment facilities. For a while, he was even homeless and psychotic. And these are the type of stories that can end tragically. And here's a family with you know, plenty of resources to devote to his care. And he couldn't get well. He was not well. Um, They were fortunate enough to come across a ketogenic diet um, with Denise Potter and uh, Dr. Chris Palmer. And um, Matt was started on a keto diet and it was the most impactful treatment he had. Um, And he is now well, he is tapering off his medications. He has no stigma of mental illness, no recurrence. As he likes to say, he's more normal than any of his friends are now, (laughs) the way he sees it. So based on this, um, Jan and Dave and Matt, they they wanted to start funding research to look at ketogenic therapies for mental illness and formed Metabolic Mind as this um, public-facing education platform, both for the general public and for clinicians, so that people know that this is an option and something to consider. As we're funding the research and the research is catching up, people are desperate for treatment now. And and as Jan likes to say, she wants us. She wants us to provide the information that she needed, that she spent hundreds of hours looking for. But instead, to make it easy for people to see this, understand it's a thing, know how to start it, know how to connect with their healthcare team. Um, yeah, so that's where we are now with Metabolic Mind, and you know we've got a great team. Uh, you know, we, we have uh, Rachel Zhang who's helping us with our social media, and then. Um, our growing science team, really the, the the biggest growth is on the science team right now, um, trying to help forward the research and make sure that that it's getting in the right hands. And are you just focusing on mental health or are you doing all metabolic health? Well, we're focusing on metabolic health as it relates to mental health. Yeah. So we're not talking about type two diabetes and PCOS. There are so many other great groups that are doing that, but we're focusing on mental health. We're talking a little bit about neurodegenerative diseases as well, like Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's, but really the focus is on schizoaffective disorders, bipolar disorder, major depression. Now we're also talking about anorexia, um, some about anxiety, and we hope to be, you know, keep moving into different mental health fields. Um, but that's really where our focus is. But it's a, you know, it's a double-sided coin. The other part that's really important is metabolic health. And with um, the psychiatric population, you know, certainly people with bipolar disorder, they are at much higher risk of cardiometabolic disease. They die young compared to the general population and not just 
by suicide, but from cardiometabolic disorders. Um, they gain tremendous amounts of weight and have metabolic dysfunction from the medications and from the disease process itself. So addressing metabolic health in this population, irregardless of the mental health is still crucial, just vitally important. So ketogenic therapies can do that. Now, it also has the added benefit of potentially treating the psychiatric symptoms themselves as well. So it's really a powerful one-two combination, how much these people can, can benefit from ketogenic therapy. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're seeing lots of people that are seeing a lot of improvement and a lot of benefits and improving their quality of life. Absolutely. We, we're seeing it clinically and we have um, two pilot trials that have been presented at conferences and now are being um uh, submitted for publication that have shown improved psychiatric symptoms and dramatically improved metabolic health. Um, last June at the International Society for Bipolar Disorder Conference, there was a, a big, you know, it's an international conference. It's a big conference. And there was a significant um, attention given to the metabolic concerns, weight gain, um, metabolic dysfunction, cardiometabolic disease. There was a lot of discussion about this, which is wonderful that people are talking about it. But the most of the treatment was count your calories, make sure you're eating low fat and exercise more, which we know doesn't work for most people. And it was kind of frustrating to hear that. But at the same conference, there were three trials presented on ketogenic therapies for people with serious mental illness that showed dramatically improved metabolic health in addition to improved mental health. And so we were up there saying, wait, connect the dots, connect the dots, right? Maybe this old advice isn't working. And now we're learning this advice can work for so many people. And again, even if you don't use it in everybody, it absolutely has to be in the toolkit of every doctor and of every psychiatrist so they know it is an option yeah, yeah absolutely i don't know how we get to that point though mm-hmm. that's a great question so many, trying. <laughs> there's so many things against us getting the word out so yeah. it's, it's, there's definitely a strong anti-keto bias but you know in metabolic mind we're trying to um elevate the work of so many others are doing, whether it's Dr. Chris Palmer or Dr. Georgia Eade or Dr. Shivani Sethi or, or Dr. Matthew Bernstein at Ellenhorn. Like so many people are really starting to, to use this and promote it and talk about it. And we want everybody to see these doctors. Um, we need more continuing medical education for doctors. We need continuing education for uh, dietitians and health coaches and therapists. And by, by really focusing on this, we can start to change the world, right? Now, changing the world is not easy. It doesn't happen overnight, but we got to believe that that it can happen and needs to happen for all the people who, who are suffering and looking for a better life. Yeah. And I think we are moving in the right direction because when I first came into the keto world, um, there was a lot of talk around weight loss and type 2 diabetes. That was the main focus. Yeah. Um, but now... I'm hearing a lot of um, cancers and brain health and all those things. And, and you know, people that um, have been had a brain cancer, for example, and told you've got six months to live, who are living for eight, 10 years and still going strong. So we're definitely seeing a shift in how the ketogenic therapeutics or diet or way of eating is impacting all sorts of health issues. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you said the focus has been on weight loss and type two diabetes. And I think rightly so, just because the numbers are enormous, like the numbers of people that that can be benefited just with those diagnoses. Now, 
But it's also clear that our bodies function better in so many ways we're in ketosis. When our metabolic health is improved and when we're using ketones and fat for fuel, our, it improves many different things. So you, you mentioned cancer. Um, there, and there's definitely evidence, not just for mental illness, but for neurodegenerative diseases. And then there, there's, you know, whether it's PCOS or other endocrine type um, maladies, like it, it just, it's growing and growing. And it's interesting on the one hand, a skeptic would say, look, nothing works for everything. You can't just say this works for all these different things. It's snake oil. Well, yeah, it does actually, because it's imp- it all has to do with improved metabolic health. And we know metabolic dysfunction can contribute to so many different medical conditions. So reversing that is going to improve those medical conditions and giving the body, they're allowing the body to burn fat for fuel and then use ketones for fuel, especially in the brain can be so beneficial for so many different things. So yeah, it really can benefit so many different areas. Yeah. It does seem a bit snake oilish. That's what I say to people. It says it's, it's sounds snake oilish, but it isn't, it just works. Yeah. What what do you think is going on with ketosis and mental health and you know what physically is happening in the body and the brain when we're yeah. in the next day? Well, I think it's twofold. And one is just improved metabolic health because our bodies can become insulin resistant. Well, so can our brains. Our brains can become insulin resistant. So improving metabolic health is going to improve brain health. But the second thing is the brain can use ketones for fuel very well. Um, Not 100%, but up to like 70% of the brain can use ketones for energy to create ATP. And we know from epilepsy research that when the body switches to ketosis and the brain is now using ketones, it changes neurotransmitter levels. So GABA goes up, glutamate goes down, which is a net benefit for the brain. We know neuroinflammation decreases. Um, we know mitochondrial function improves, so the mitochondria can can uh, transform energy better. Um, so we know from epilepsy research that a number of different factors happen in the brain with ketosis. And then on top of this, metabolic health improves as well, so insulin resistance improves as well. So it all comes down to better energy utilization in the brain, um, and I guess you could say more stable neuronal circuits in the brain. So it's pretty dramatic. I mean, to think that what you eat, changing what you eat, can it change so much in your brain, but that's what happens. That's what happens with ketones and burning fat and improving metabolic health. Mm, Yeah. One of the things that I've heard recently is in, in terms of Alzheimer's, for example, and dementia, that a lot of that, the effect of that is due to lack of energy in the brain. Do you think that's relevant? Do you think that's? Oh, absolutely. I think that's relevant. Yeah. I mean, the studies seem pretty consistent that, um, that the brain cells, the neurons of people with Alzheimer's disease and other forms of dementia, they just don't use glucose as efficiently to produce energy. So it's, you know, when it comes down to the mitochondria, Dr. Chris Palmer has really helped us make mitochondria a part of our normal language now, but the, the ability to transform and create energy in the mitochondria is impaired in, in people with Alzheimer's disease. That seems very clear. So providing an alternative fuel with ketones and improving metabolic health together, help the brain use energy better, help the mitochondria produce energy better, which 
is, you know, we don't know for sure that's the mechanism, but is a very reasonable mechanism. So why people with Alzheimer's seem to show improvement um, with nutritional ketosis and ketogenic therapy. So um, I, I think it, it opens up a whole world of brain related disorders, right? There's a signal that it may help in Huntington's disease and in Parkinson's and even in ALS, people are studying it now. And the, the key is to give the central nervous system a better fuel because it's having trouble creating energy from glucose. Mm. I think I remember it was a long time ago. I think I remember um, Georgia Ede saying that um, there is the insulin resistance in the brain. And mm. so the glucose can't cross the brain blood barrier and therefore the brain is almost starving of energy because it can't get get to the brain yeah that's that's still valid yeah one of the differences in how you how we see insulin resistance in 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 the body basically the ghost is just taking as we can it, they, it's uh, resistant effects of insulin. Well, in the brain, what happens is the glucose doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier as efficiently. So there's actually less glucose um, for the brains to use. And the glucose that is there in the brain isn't used as efficiently. So it's sort of like a double hit, actually. Yeah. yeah. And the brain needs a lot of energy. It uses more energy oh, yeah. than the rest of the body. Yeah, I forget exactly, but it's like 2% of our body weight, I think, but yet uses 20% of body energy. So it's clearly an energy hungry uh, organ and requires a lot of energy. So any alteration in energy production is going to be magnified much more than any other organ or body system. Yeah. So the thing with um, bipolar and schizophrenia and all these other mental health issues, and even, you know, we were talking earlier about um, people have had heart attacks and things like that. They're very reliant on their medical care providers to give them advice. And so mm-hmm. they might be listening to this and thinking, why should I do that when my doctors are not telling me to do that or they don't have the information? Um, what do you say to that? Yeah, my goodness, that's such a problem. Whether it's reading you know, a headline that says keto diet kills people. And it's based on a study that has nothing to do with the keto diet at all, or a doctor saying, no, no, that doesn't work. That's not a thing. So one is misinterpretation of the science. And two is just being stuck in your lane. And if I haven't taught it, it must not be a thing. So let's talk about that first. You know, doctors don't learn about nutritional ketosis. What we learn about ketosis is that it is a life-threatening condition because we learn about ketoacidosis, whether it's people with type 1 diabetes or chronic alcoholics or even, even um, pregnant women. Ketones equals danger. That's all we're taught because we live in a society where nobody's in nutritional ketosis, right? Everybody's eating high carbs all the time, burning glucose all the time. But if you think about what happened in evolution, and of course, we don't know exactly what people ate over evolution, but it makes sense that we were in and out of ketosis. And ketosis is a natural phenomenon that when there isn't any food available or there aren't many carbohydrates available, our body finds another way to survive, finds another way to create energy. And it is a perfectly normal thing. And that's all physicians need to learn that ketosis is a completely healthy, normal, adaptive process and has nothing to do with ketoacidosis. Because as long as someone doesn't have type 1 diabetes, as long as they're not a chronic alcoholic with, or with liver failure, ketones are not 
dangerous. And so that's number one that doctors need to learn. And that's what's so frustrating for me to still hear well-meaning people be like, oh no, ketosis is dangerous. You should not try it. Time to get educated. Time yeah. to get <laughs> time to get up, uh, you know, current with what's going on. Um, but then the other battle is is the just misuse of the words low carb and keto, um, where we hear, you know, some observational study with incredibly weak data collection and you know tons of confounding variables and very small effect size that it showed low carb makes people die sooner. Okay, well, low carb was defined as forty percent of your calories as carbs which a 2000 calorie diet is 200 grams of carbohydrates per day, which is more than someone in ketosis eats in a week, let alone a day. But those are equated. The doctor will say, oh no, I saw that story that low carb makes you die sooner and gives you a heart attack. So no, you can't go keto. Not realizing again, those are completely different things. Just like ketosis and ketoacidosis are completely different. This is a completely different. So I mean, it's, it's a little distressing that those are two very big hurdles, you know, the misinterpretation and misrepresentation of this in the general public and physicians not understanding it. Those are two big things we need to overcome. So podcasts like this, you going out and talking about it, you know, just everybody being more vocal about it and realizing that we as patients and as individuals have an opportunity and an obligation to educate our physicians, right? I mean, we know more people listening to this podcast probably know far more about the the normal state of ketosis than their physicians. And it's okay to respectfully try and educate your doctor about it. So they know it's not the same as ketoacidosis. It's not dangerous. What the media portrays as low carb is not what we're talking about as low carb and keto. So we need to break down those barriers and those misunderstandings. Yeah. And I think the listeners can really have a big impact because if they go to the doctor and say, I'm better, have a look at this, you know, mm-hmm. maybe 90% of the doctors won't, but there might be some that will, because right. we know we know people like Dr. Unwin and other doctors have changed their mind when a patient has come to them and said, you didn't tell me this. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And as, in the power of public, we have to keep educating people as well. Right. And it's so powerful, right? Because if I, if I educate or you educate one individual, you can help that individual. If you educate one doctor, you can impact hundreds of individuals per year because of how many patients they see and can help. Right. So it, it really does compound that effect. So it, it, I mean, so you as an individual talking to your doctor and educating your doctor could then help hundreds of people. Like that's powerful. I mean, that's really powerful. Really powerful. Yeah. So um, Brett, is there anything else that we needed to talk about today that we haven't already mentioned? We've been through quite a lot in a quite short space of time. Yeah, it, it feels like we've covered a lot in a short amount of time. And and I, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about this. And I just hope people walk away from this feeling empowered, you know, that, that understanding that we all have a role in our own health, taking, um, uh, being our own advocates. Um, and understanding for ourselves everything we talked about, but then helping educate others as well along the way. I mean, we all we all should embrace that role. I hope. Mm. And and I like the fact that you know metabolic mind now is is a sort of beacon of hope for people with metabolic health disease. Yeah, 
yeah uh, metabolic, we hope, uh, not metabolic with mental health disease yeah metabolic and mental health absolutely i mean and and we want people to know that there are other options i mean i've spoken to so many people who said i gave up hope you know i i, I completely gave up i thought there was nothing that was going to help me and then i was lucky enough to find this and it's just so sad to hear people get to that point though where they're giving up hope and yeah. we, we don't want that to happen we want to prevent that for as many people as we can yeah absolutely yeah. And and with mental health, people are really desperate. You know, they they're desperately looking for help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, how can people get in contact with you? Get in contact with Metabolic Mind. How can they do that? Yeah. So the best place to find us right now is on our YouTube channel, Metabolic Mind at YouTube, um, and then also our website, metabolicmind.org, where you'll find you know lots of we're, we're starting a blog page and transcripts of all our videos. So you'll find all that, that information there and links to other resources. And then for me as a clinician, I still have a um, a telemedicine practice where I see patients. So that's at lowcarbcardiologist.com. So those are probably the best places to find me. Okay. So in your personal practice, is that really focused around cardiology or can other people with who have things that they want to hear with metabolic health issues, can they come to you for that? Yeah, I, I sort of am both focus on this cardiometabolic health. Um, I'm also a, a certified lipidologist. So a lot of lipid disorders, especially within the setting of low carb and keto lifestyles, that's sort of where my focus is. Yeah. So I'm, but I'm, I'm happy to see. And, uh, you know, even with telemedicine, I can only see patients in states where I'm licensed. Unfortunately, I, I hate that rule, but it's one of the things I have to abide by. So California, Arizona, Texas, Nevada, Colorado, Utah, Illinois, and Ohio. Those are the states where I can see patients. Uh, not in Australia, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Um, I wish it were different. Yeah. I'm in the UK, but yeah, yeah. from the UK either, I guess. Yeah, right, right, right. So let's um, move on to your three top tips. Ah, three top tips. All right. Well, I would say my first top tip is be your own advocate. You know yourself better than anybody. N of one experiments are the most important data for you. Um, so don't just go by guidelines or a doctor who treats everybody the same. Be your own advocate and know that you are uh, a unique individual. Mm. So that's that's number one. Um, Two, it, it, it sounds simple, but it's just eat real food, eat whole foods. It's so distressing how prevalent um, ultra-processed foods and junk foods and even well-meaning processed junk foods has become. And if we just ate real foods, it, we would just not be in the position that we're in. And it's it's so easy to say, and unfortunately, people find it hard to do. But if we just said it became who we are, you know, like, just like if someone's a vegan, they just, they are wholeheartedly vegan. Well, I'm a whole fooder. I am a whole, I'm wholeheartedly a whole fooder. That's who I am. That's my identity. I wish more people understood that. Um, yeah. yeah. And three and, is, because, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the ultra processed foods are, are really, really toxic to us in a way. And it's, yeah. it's, it's having a huge effect on all these diseases. And if, if we just eliminated ultra processed food, I think we'd be in such a different place, such a different world. Absolutely. And Absolutely people would agree. be thinking differently and feeling differently, even, you know, without changing very much else. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not even necessarily low carb or keto. Just getting right. throwing out those processed foods that have emulsifiers and stabilizers and colorings and who knows so what it's else. It's not even real food. It's it's not even food, is it? It's just a food like mm-hmm. substance. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and number three is be active and get outside. I mean, I love going to the gym and working out inside, but nothing, nothing compares with being outside and being physically active. Um, just such a powerful combination and make that part of your day every day helps mental health, helps physical health, helps metabolic health, helps in so many different ways. So I think that would be my third top tip. Fabulous. Thank you, Brett, for being with us. It's been fabulous talking to you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for all the work you do. Thank you. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.